have. You know, you know what's going to be consistent is when I show up and I come down there and I stick my foot right. It's the film flamers. Hi, I'm Chris. Hey, everybody, I'm Robert, and we're the Film Flamers, a podcast that shits all over your favorite horror movies, and the directors call into our hotline and threaten physical violence. <laughs> That's right. We're certainly winning when it comes to the podcasting game these days. <laughs> we're going to get into that just a little bit later, but as you can assume, this is time for us to shoot the flames. It is the monthly episode where Chris and I get together, talk about horror news, recently released horror trailers, some recent watches, and most importantly, give some listener love where we talk about the comments, questions, and reviews that you guys have given us. That's right. And first up is from R.L. Terry for our Top 10 Psycho Killers episode. The Strangers also terrified me. It was, at the time, the scariest movie that I've ever seen. We shared many killers in common, except we differ on the version of Maniac that we prefer. Lol. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, R.L. Terry listed out his top ten psycho killers, and a lot of them were very similar. It's like a combination of both of our lists, right? Um, I do have to say that The Strangers is still the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. I'm still terrified when I watch it. And I kind of want to know what you think is the scariest movie you've seen now. You said at the time. So what's that new scariest movie? Yeah. And no shade to William Lustig's version of Maniac. I just happen to prefer the remake a little bit better, and I can that almost never happens to me. So, I mean, if y'all haven't seen this remake, please go check it out. It's amazing. Uh, the next comment comes from our Outtakes 2.0 episode that we released um, as a special episode at the end of July. And this comment comes from at Matthew McHenry. And he says, want 16 minutes of pure, unadulterated joy? Check this episode of the Film Flamers out this morning. If there's a podcast award for best laugh, Chris should win. And I believe he means Robert because one of the outtakes is actually us pretending that we're the other. Going back so I think that kind of confused some people, threw some people off, but it's definitely Robert's laugh. I mean, you have a signature laugh, too. Mm. I, I mean, come on. So people enjoyed listening to us laugh, and we laugh a lot on this podcast. In fact, those outtakes are probably one of my favorite episodes that we've ever put out. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The next comment that we got is for our Silence of the Lambs episode that we just released. At Ignatius Striga says, They have a special Halloween event here at the location where Hannibal was being held, and the guide is sometimes the cop that gets flayed in the movie. My friend also works in that same bug room. It's fun. Yeah, so she lives in Pittsburgh, right? And so she also said after this that we should plan a vacation time up there right around Halloween. And I commented back and I was like, well, this piece of information and all the Romero stuff that they have going on there, that's definitely a city I need to visit around Halloween for sure. Next up is our questions. And we got one from Erica from the Customers Also Watched podcast. And she says, what's a horror movie you think would have been better with a different actor or cast? And who would be the replacements? This is a really difficult question for me to answer because when I watch a horror movie, I typically love it, if not, you know, like it a lot. Like, there's not a bad horror movie to me. And when I've seen something so many times, I'm sort of accustomed to that cast or I know what to expect from it. And it's kind of hard for me to go back and, like, try to recast or to think it would be better with someone else's acting. Recently, though, I watched the Dark Tower movie. It's a Stephen King adaptation that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, and it had uh, Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba in it. Two actors that I like very, very much. But... 
They didn't do a very good job in that movie. I've read those books. I just didn't see them in those characters, right? And the movie itself, like, flopped at the box office. And I can't help but thinking it was, you know, a combination of you know, the filmmaking itself or maybe these actress portrayals of these roles. And I think that it would be better with somebody else. With that being said... I don't know who I would cast in that. To me, those books are almost unfilmable. So, like, I don't know if I could recast anything, especially that I like. And the things I don't like, I don't want like my favorite actors to be in. You know, right. like I never, I don't know that I've sat down and like miscast or something like that. Um, it would be interesting, like, for a swap just to go back and see what like Jamie Lee Curtis would have done with Alien, you know, instead of Sigourney Weaver, or Sigourney Weaver had done with Halloween, or you know, Linda Hamilton in one of those roles, and like. Sigourney Weaver in Terminator or something. I don't know. Like those those horror movies, uh, those horror action movies from the eighties. I think that would have been interesting for the swaps just to see what they would have done with slightly different material and different roles. I don't know. That's just that's just me being a, a fan nerd. No, I think it's a really good answer because, you know, we, we get accustomed to seeing actors in a certain role and like Sigourney fucking Weaver is all over Alien. It's hard for me to even think about somebody else playing Ripley but if you stop and think about it I can see how Linda Hamilton especially would have done a really good job in that movie yeah and we were also talking about some of the casting that we've heard was almost happened for some of the films that we've deep dived most recently Silence of the Lambs we heard that Laura Dern was up for the role of Clarice Starling in mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs and we both thought that would have been interesting so I'd like to see a version of that film with her uh, you know I'd also really just love for morbid curiosity to see a version of Hannibal as Sean Connery yeah <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that he was on that list. <laughs> you look like a rube. <laughs> you know what you look like to me with that nice bag and those cheap shoes? <laughs> you look like a rube. <laughs> a nice Chianti. <laughs> Shit. We have a brand new patron, guys. We need to give a special shout out to Allie from the Everyone's Dead podcast for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you, Allie. Like we said in previous Shooting the Flames episodes, the Everybody's Dead podcast is amazing. You ladies are incredibly funny. I love your devotion to horror and not just in like horror movies. They also talk about games and books. I mean, they're all over the place with horror media. It's great. Go check out their podcast. And thanks again for all the support. Guys, if you want to check out all of our bonus content on Patreon and lend us your support, head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers. We have hours of bonus content. You can get that for as little as $2 a month. And in some tiers, you get access to episodes sometimes weeks early. Next up, as promised, we've got our voicemail section where we got a call in from the director of 47 Hours, which we saw at Texas Frightmare Convention, uh, where we talked about how it was kind of crowded and like we had like a weird sitting arrangement, like the seats were really uncomfortable. We couldn't go get snacks and drinks. Yeah. Uh, we talked about how he didn't really stay after to talk about the movie. We gave it a three star and we recommended that people go watch it. And we, we thought it would be out on like on demand or Netflix or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know, Hey guys, if you if you've seen this film, if if it's shown somewhere, or if you saw it at Texas Frightmare, let us know. But uh, turns out we actually got reached out to by the screenwriter. Yeah, so the screenwriter reached out to us on Instagram, and she was very ecstatic. She said that we were the first person to review the movie. She had just done some sort of like search on it, and we popped up. And she was very happy that somebody had seen it and was talking about it, and you know reached out and sent us a message. And I said, you know, thank you for listening. You know, and we're going to continue to support this movie. 
because at the time that we saw it, we were the very first audience to sit down and watch this movie at Texas Frightmare. It was their secret screening of that weekend. Yeah. And um, our hot take episode on that was a combination of reviewing both that movie and, you know, the convention itself. Yeah. The title of the episode was 47 Hours at Texas Frightmare. Right. And while we gave a what I think is a mostly positive review of 47 Hours, we had a little bit more negative slant on the convention itself. Yeah. So, yeah, and we did we did give some notes on the movie uh, mm-hmm. as far as the acting and like maybe some uneven pacing from the directing, either uneven pacing or uneven directing. I've forgotten what we what we said exactly. I think we made a comment about the editing of the movie or something like that. Yeah, and there's know? some choices that were consistent. But overall, we gave it a, you know, thumbs up, you know, go see it, you know, three star. I even said that I would watch it again. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, the director called in and gave us not one, not two, but three voicemails. So check them out. Hi there. Patrick Johnson, director, 47 Hours. You know, the movie from the uh, Texas Frightmare uh, secret screening. Yeah, I just wanted to call and thank you for, uh, you know, taking time to, to give it a review and put it on your podcast and everything. I really appreciate that. You know, you know, I think you guys said it was, you know, I won't say that word, inconsistently directed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, inconsistently. Yeah. Inconsistently directed. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to hear that. Yeah, you know, you know what's going to be consistent is when I show up and I come down there and I stick my foot right. Hi there. Back again, 47 hours, director. I don't know what happened. I guess we got cut off. So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to call, like I said. Thank you guys for taking the time to give the film a nice, uh, honest review. You know, just I'm really, I'm really sorry that you had to. You know, sit there in those really uncomfortable chairs and, you know, that crowd. And, you know, just, you know, like, yeah, three-star review. I don't know. Three stars. Yeah, I get it. You're, you know, you're not feeling good. You're both uncomfortable. It's in you know, chairs. I don't know. I can only imagine how uncomfortable it was being in those chairs. I mean, nothing like, I'm sure, the 18 days are grinding away out there on that film set, you know, day in, day out, 12, 14-hour days, bad weather, good weather. Who knows what the hell's going on? Things fall over. Yeah, I'm sure those chairs much worse. Anyway, three-star. I don't get but, you know. Hi there. Patrick again, four seven hours. Yeah, I think we might have got off on the wrong foot. Let's just beep, hit stop, erase, and we'll start over. So I just want to thank you guys for taking the time to, uh, you know, show up at the screening at the uh, Frightmare and, uh, you know, put out the uh, nice review and uh, let everybody know what you thought about the film. Yeah, uh, that's good. Appreciate it. Um, anyway, big fan, long time, first time. Uh, hope to see you guys out there on the uh film festival circuit sometime anyway thanks a lot guys really i do appreciate it and uh just caught up with the uh podcast recently or i would have told you guys sooner anyway thanks so the chair i'm sitting in is pretty uncomfortable (laughs) and i feel like the tone of those voicemails were a little uneven (laughs) so i'm gonna have to give that voicemail a three star what do you think (laughs) um i might even go even lower than that i (laughs) I have a couple things to say about these voicemails. And I I don't want this to sound like some sort of like direct attack at this director, Patrick Johnson. 
I have to say that I think that you took our review of this movie a little too far, especially since we gave it a positive spin and encouraged people to go watch your movie. But mostly what made me very upset about these voicemails is the tact that a director takes about his work when dealing with people who have their own opinions of a movie. Chris and I are independent podcasters. We take our opinions on movies very seriously, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a podcast devoted to horror movies. We don't consider ourselves experts on any means. Certainly not. And we're certainly not professional film reviewers. We don't get money for this. This is not our job, right? Exactly. However, Chris and I, for our day jobs, both work in what can be considered to be creative fields, right? Yes. Chris, what do you do for a living? I am a user experience designer. That's right. And I am a chef. I work in management, but I spend a lot of time pouring over recipes and creating recipes and creating menus. Both of our jobs require us to create a product and put it out to the masses for everyone to see, enjoy, use. Not every time do we get a positive review of our work. Sometimes people dislike the food that I make. Sometimes people may find that the websites that Chris designs to be not user-friendly. And we have to take criticism and go back to the drawing board and just do something different the next time. If I make some food and it gets sent out to someone's table and they come back to me and say, I don't like this or I want something else or it tastes bad or whatever, I don't get to go out to that table and like berate them for their opinion. Sure. And on my part, when we do usability studies or A-B tests or things like that, we have to learn and take those things seriously because these people are just, you know, trying to casually use our product. And when we see their initial reactions and everything else, we don't blame them. We have to blame ourselves, you know, and see where the problem is because we can't just say, well, if they don't get it, they're dumb, right? That's the worst thing you can possibly say in user experience or customer experience in general. And I think customer experience has to do with everything from food and menus to movies to music. So I think what Robert's trying to put down here is that you need to take these as learnings and, you know, try and see what the problems were, if any, you know, we might be a minority. Everyone else might just give this five stars and great. You know what? But the more people that give you these reviews, the more you'll know that there's something that might need to be adjusted. And not even just that. I think that, you know, when creating art in general, once you create something and I mean, every everybody who creates something puts their heart and soul and time and effort into it. And I understand that everybody thinks that their product is the best because obviously you're going to make something that you think is the best to put out for everyone. However, that's when your part of the process stops. People get to have their own opinions about movies, food, books, TV shows, everything. And you don't get to go to them and berate them for what they said. If Based someone... on how long you've been cooking. Or right. Else. Like I didn't like, let's say you didn't like Lawrence of Arabia. They spent the better part of a year out in the fucking desert making this movie, sometimes getting a single shot in a whole day or even a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not going to judge that film by how they made it or how hard it was. And I'm certainly not going to judge your movie by how right. hard it was. You can't come in and say, well, you know what? Like, you know what's uncomfortable? working 18 hour days and not knowing what the weather is like and not knowing how the movie's going to turn out based on that particular day and having a time frame. Well, guess what? You know who else works hard? The billions of people in the world who have jobs. Okay? Pretty much everyone that watches your movie. Right. Nobody is saying that one person's job is harder than the other. You certainly don't know who we are and you can't compare my opinion of the movie to how much work you put into it. Obviously, everybody who creates movies puts a lot of work into it. So get off your high horse for a little bit. We said, go watch this movie. We reviewed your movie. We actually liked it. And I don't know why you want to come 
dig a foot up something to be more consistent. It's the wrong approach. And I hope that when your movie comes out and more people have access to it, and by the way, we will still champion this movie. We appreciated being one of the first people to watch it, and I will continue to tell people to go see this movie because there are a lot of people involved in the production of it, and it was enjoyable. However, the next time someone gives you a bad review, I hope you have the common sense to stop before you go seek them out and tell them exactly why their opinion is wrong. Especially when it wasn't a bad review. (laughs) Please. It's not a question of scale either, right? They've spent months and months on this, and then they have to wait for months and months and months to see what the output was, to see how it's, you know, gathered. Now, I do the same thing on actually a much larger scale than this film, for instance, right? I put out a survey, and in 12 hours, I get tens of thousands of responses. I put something out there in my position, and millions of people are using it, and I don't get mad at those people when something fails. I fix it, and I'm happy the opportunity that I can see how people react to something. And that's not to say that you don't get a little hurt when you read something negative, you know? But at the end of the day, you take it, spank your in a mop it, and move on. I mean, that's just all you can do. So I hope that you take the comments that we've given you, learn from it, because I think that, you know, if you're going to be dealing with the press on things, you're going to have to, you know, be a little better at it. And we invite you to call back in, you know? Let us know what's going on with your career. Let us know what you have to say about this particular conversation that we're having about it. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're better, you know, allies than enemies. And any of these people can help push your movie along and you should treat them as such. And you should keep making movies and you should keep calling in, honestly. And honestly, the first time I actually listened to these voicemails, I thought it was all tongue in cheek. Like you were just giving us a gift of these voicemails to put on our podcast knowingly because that's how we advertise our number. You know, call in, we'll put you on the air. And that's exactly what you did. And so it took quite a bit of convincing on Robert's part and basically everyone else I showed these voicemails to, you know, to basically convince me that, no, you were being completely serious about your your, uh, negativity there. So, And I have to say, I mean, just just putting it out there from my own particular feelings, I was incredibly offended. Just very, very offended. But I can't spend any more time talking about this because I don't want to get all worked up again, so do you want to get into some horror news? So our first piece of horror news is very sad. And by now, all of you horror fans and listeners have heard that Rutger Hauer, star of such movies as The Hitcher, Blade Runner, Hobo with a Shotgun, etc., has died. So what I knew Rutger Hauer from the most was, of course, Blade Runner, because I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Um, I never saw the original Hitcher. So good. I've seen the newest one with Sean Bean, which you still need to see. Yep. Um, I loved Hobo with a Shotgun, and I made you watch it. Yes, and I loved it. Yeah, so Rutger Hauer has been in so much more than just those. He was in the new Batman movies. Uh, God, he was in that like made-for-TV like Merlin movie by mm-hmm. Hallmark or whatever. And that was forever ago. Been, yeah. And so uh, he's been in so much, and he's just such a great actor. Great character. So much actor. presence, and yeah. he's so friendly. And I think like even like the his most famous quote from Blade Runner, I think he actually made that up on the day, Tears and Rain. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. (laughs) Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. (laughs) 
All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, he'll certainly be missed. He was beloved in the horror community. R.I.P. Rutger. We'll miss you. Next up, we've got James Wan reportedly producing the pilot for I Know What You Did Last Summer series for Amazon. Hell yes. (laughs) I love I Know What You Did Last Summer. A lot of people shit all over this movie, but I like it quite a bit. What's interesting is James Wan usually does more supernatural fare. Yeah. uh, Although his first one, you could argue, is certainly not. Saw. So I don't know. Uh, James Wan, everything he touches is good to me as far as directing, directly, directly. Well, when this was originally reported, uh, the headline said James Wan to direct pilot for I Know You Last Summer for Amazon. Well, that would be better because like some of the stuff he produced Produces I don't like, but some of the, but basically everything he's directed I have liked. Hell, I even I actually really liked Aquaman of all things. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would like that, but hey, I mean James Wan. I'll definitely watch this. I like James Wan's work. I want to see what he does with it. I'm not quite convinced that that movie could be a weekly series or an episodic series. I would have to see exactly what they they do with it or where they go with it. But you know, my my interest has certainly peaked. Um, Also on the Amazon pilot news, um, Event Horizon is going to be developed into a series for Amazon Prime directed by Adam Wingard, which I think is pretty exciting. Who's Adam Wingard? So uh, he directed like uh, You're Next and the recent Blair Witch movie. Haven't seen it. Really? Either one of them? Oh, they're both good. I mean, I liked that Blair Witch. Um, that movie was incredibly marketed, too. They just called it The Woods for a long time, and it wasn't until a couple weeks before it was released. They were like, oh, surprise, it's actually another Blair Witch movie. And I was like, ah. Uh. Do you think that was tacked on after, kind of like Cloverfield Lane? No, this movie was shot as a Blair Witch movie. They were just trying to keep it secret from everybody else. So. Okay. But it was... um. I liked it. I thought it was decent. I like him as a director, and I really like Event Horizon, so I'm interested to see what they could do. Unlike um, I Know What You Did Last Summer, I feel that Event Horizon could be a good episodic series. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. I would love some dark sci-fi out there as, as like an episodic mm-hmm. series. Man, I would just love that. I think we're, we're kind of in a drought. Yeah. But, of course, I have not been watching some of the science fiction things that have come out. Like, um, like that one on Netflix that just came one out? One on Netflix that just came out that's kind the of banned. But I was told by some people that I know that it was good. So I don't know who to trust. I told Rob to watch it, and he just hasn't yet. I said, you need to watch this and get back to me before I watch it. So Yeah, and then there was something else that was out recently. I can't remember. Oh, Star Trek. Yeah, I haven't seen Oh, yeah, Star I haven't Trek. seen, seen any of the new Star Trek. So, yeah, I guess it's not exactly a drought, especially, well, although I did love the new trailer for Picard. Yeah, I think we talked about that in our last Shooting the Flames, With didn't we? With 709 showing length, up. Yeah. Thing. yeah so, I can't wait great. to watch that. It's going to be great. Yeah, so, and Amazon, yet again, is going to come out with another horror series called Truth Seekers, a long-gestured horror comedy starring Nick Frost and Simon Pegg as paranormal investigators. I love those guys. I had not heard anything about this. That sounds... I know. I, I cannot wait. 
And I, you know, I just saw Simon Pegg in something recently, but I'll have to actually bring that up later because it's in my Flamers favorites. Oh, uh, look at Amazon though, killing it with these pilots. I know I love the way that Amazon Prime does their pilot season, right? And so they they show these pilots. A lot of pilots are made and never seen by the public, and Amazon doesn't take that tact. So yeah, at least for these shows, we'll get at least one episode if they don't get picked up. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling like the the next Alien movie is kind of in a development hell because I we just like a month or two ago we were talking about you know the the actual title for it and that Ridley Scott was going to move forward. Forward. Right. But now that we're seeing like Disney, of course, we're seeing the, the fallout from Disney taking over all of these properties from buying Fox properties. And it looks like it's going to be a reboot. Yeah. I and don't like the studios like, hey, your new series with Prometheus and Covenant didn't, isn't really going anywhere. I mean, it's a hot mess. So we're just going to reboot it. And I, I'm really not liking Disney's penchant for rebooting you know remaking rebooting everything right yeah so they're probably going to remake the xenomorph as the newest disney princess which you know i'm fine with on a certain level but honestly just continue the series let us keep in the same universe with the same actors brings i want that neil blomkamp movie with sigourney weaver that he was going to do why can't they just let him do that? So I don't know. Well, I mean, and going back to the question that was asked by Erica from the Customers Also Watch podcast, you know, we're talking about um, recasting movies and obviously reboots and remakes do that, right? And Chris and I have a huge affinity for Alien. In fact, later on in this particular season, we'll probably be discussing a couple of those movies. And I don't really want to see anybody else play Ellen Ripley. No. I, I don't. And especially if Sigourney Weaver is still alive and kicking to do it, you know? Exactly. I would rather those prequels get to the place where Ellen Ripley comes back into the fold. Continue the story. You've already started it. People are already invested. I mean, do the reboot later on. The franchise isn't going anywhere. You have till the end of time to film this reboot. It doesn't have to be right now. Yeah. 20 years ago, I remember a quote after Alien Resurrection came out, and it didn't receive the reception they wanted, you know, obviously. Um, but Sigourney Weaver said she wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there sometime in the far future there was a white-haired old Ripley running around the universe or whatever, and that she'd be happy to play it. So you know what? She's on board. We have great directors that want to be on board. Michael Bean wants to come back. Yeah. There was a whole screenplay and art done. Neil Blomkamp uh, released a lot of the art that was the previs that was done for this film, and it looks amazing. And he makes amazing horror-adjacent sci-fi movies. I mean, let these people have a whack at it. Yeah. I mean, come on. Reboots are not always the answer. Although, with that being said, every time something is re- rebooted or remade, I'll sit down and watch it usually, but this is just one of those franchises that I don't want to see it. Speaking of reboots, we did get on board with one of those, and that's a claymation version of The Thing. <laughs> it was so fucking good. What is it, like Pingu? Is that what it said? I don't know, but <laughs> it was good enough for us to mention in our news, so we're just going to put it in the show notes along with everything else. Oh my god. So make sure you check out this video, which is a claymation version of The Thing, and it's amazing. That's right, and I will uh, share a link onto social media as well, guys. Coming soon. As we have in the past months, there's been a lot of horror trailers that have been released recently, uh, starting with Zombieland 2 Double Tap, which comes out on October the 18th. 
And all of the cast is returning. Amazingly. It takes place like in the White House at least least a little bit. Um, There's like a subplot of, you know, the younger sister running off with a boy and then trying to get her back. And it's just it looks just as wacky and fun as the first one. And I really enjoyed the first one. We'll just have to wait and see. But it looks promising. Yeah, I will definitely be checking that one out. We also got a trailer for Robert Eggers' newest film. Of course, he's the director behind The Witch, one of our absolute favorite horror movies in this podcast nook. Uh, And this film is called The Lighthouse, also distributed by A24. And it comes out on October 18th. As well, wow. I'm on the fence with this trailer. It has Robert Pattinson and William Dafoe. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously those are two acting powerhouses, at least William Dafoe. But I have seen Robert Pattinson flex his muscles a little bit. Um, You know, I I think that if, if anyone can make an interesting little horror movie it's robert eggers so i'm looking forward to this but the trailer was a little bit wonky yeah i mean it looks odd right which is good i mean because the witch is also an odd movie um there's a lot of mood and a lot of atmosphere and it's black and white you know so i mean like it's it's really flexing his creative powers here and um i know this movie garnered lots of attention and praise at con and i mean so people are looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to seeing what his sophomore effort will look like because we've had a lot of those sophomore efforts this year and we just have a new crop of you know horror elite and if they keep pumping out movies that are you know fun and interesting i think they have long careers ahead of them Mm mm-hmm uh, next up is a movie that has been playing festivals for years, but it is finally getting released on Shutter very soon, and I think it's going to start playing theatrically on a very limited basis um, as of the time of this recording, you know, today. Uh, and that movie is called Tigers Are Not Afraid. It's a Mexican horror-adjacent film, sort of with um, some roots in, like, the fantasy. The trailer looks really interesting. Now, it's been in festivals for years, so uh, we just now saw the trailer, and I think it has a release date, but I couldn't find it. Well, I mean, it will be streaming on Shutter within the next couple months or so. Shutter bought the oh, rights to this movie, okay. and yeah. so everyone's going to have access to it. Um, but, I mean, this movie has been highly praised. Every festival it plays at, people just come away loving it and just, like, singing the praises of it. And just no one would buy the distribution for it? Until Shutter came along, you okay, know? Interesting. Um, it's just one of those movies that I think would be hard to market in a very wide theatrical release. It is a foreign language film. Foreign language. It deals with some very adult subject matter and involves children. Um, but to me, like the fantastic elements of this just look amazing. I like weeped watching this trailer and I cannot wait to watch it. Please say wept. Why? Why I like weeped. I wept. <laughs> weeped is not a word. I know. We also got a trailer for something called Little Monsters. It's also been in festivals since around January, I believe. But of course, it's got our favorite actress from us. Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o. And I am super excited about this because it looks so dark, darkly funny. Yes. I love dark comedy horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I do a lot. And, and we're getting a lot of those this year, which is good. Yeah. And so it just looks really, really good. And you really have to check out this trailer. It's highly entertaining. Yes. Uh, the poster is really good, honestly. Little Monsters played at this year's South by Southwest. And people just came out just like screaming about how good it was. So, I mean, I certainly, certainly want to see this movie. I don't know what the release date is, but... I assume in the fall sometime. Yeah. 
So there was also a trailer for The Hunt that was going to be released on September 27th. And of course, this has like an ensemble cast uh, of mostly unknowns to me, except for Hilary Swank, yep. which of course we saw recently with I Am Mother, mm-hmm. and she was amazing. I'd love to see more of her. And this looked like a really interesting take on kind of like a purged slash hostile kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and there's a twist in the trailer. And it, was, it looked like a pretty good movie, but after the recent recent shootings, it has now been canceled by Universal, or at least shelved, uh, due to the due to those recent, you know, mass shootings. So I get it, but at the same time, this is a horror movie. Um, if it does kind of glorify that sort of thing, then obviously it should be shelved, but I'd like to give it the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think they're just doing the politically correct thing, but that may not always be the right thing to do. I think it's also important to note that right before they announced that it was being canceled because of these mass shootings, uh, President Trump had got onto his Twitter platform to talk about the movie and how it was pushing a negative political agenda, I think, unfavorably toward Republicans or at least toward his office in general or himself. And I found it just a little weird that they went ahead and canceled it after if anything it's the opposite right because it's basically somewhere i think in eastern europe and they have basically knocked all these people out from different places in america a lot of them from the south Mm -hmm. and dropped them in this place to be hunted but they get access to weapons because you know they're americans and they know how to use them and they defend themselves so if anything it's like trying to tell these people that they know how to use these weapons for protection So whatever you feel about guns, this is a fucking horror movie, right? So I don't know. I don't I don't know that politics should get into this as much. Yeah. When it's obviously purely fiction for entertainment purposes only and there's no message at all behind like gun rights or whatever. This is literally a situational well, and if there is a message behind the movie, we're not going to know what it is for a very long time. I assume that it will be released at some point, even though it was being distributed by Universal. This is a Blumhouse film, and Jason Blum has said he still has interest in people seeing this movie, and he wants to release it in some way, form, or fashion. Well, good. But at this point, because they've made a statement about it, they've connected the public consciousness between this movie and shootings. Yeah. Right? And so it's always going to have that you know, attached to it, which isn't fair to all the people that worked on it. It's true. Right? It's like, let the public be, you know, let the public be the judges for that. Didn't they have like a season finale of Buffy with like the graduation day episode and it was supposed to air in May, normal times of like, but they postponed it and showed it again in September? It was right after like Columbine or So, no. There was an episode of Buffy where uh, one of the side characters that kind of is recurring, uh, the short guy... Uh, and he's a big time like screenwriter now. Anyway, so he uh, goes into the bell tower and he's going to shoot himself. But sh- Buffy thinks he's going to go and shoot other people. And um, so she is like, it's an episode where she can hear people's thoughts. Yeah, I remember that one. And so she has to stop him. But it, of course, the killer, he hadn't killed anyone and he ended up not killing himself. But it was really a lunch lady that was poisoning all the food. No, like from the, the, that's like from the first or second season. This is yeah. a, another story. But entirely, it happened but... at Columbine. And so they had to hold the episode and release it because it was going to come out like the week of Columbine. Oh. And so they had to hold on to it just because it happened to have a, a school shooter type of situation, even though it wasn't what it seemed. Well, the hunt seemed very interesting to me. And I do want to see this movie. So I hope it's released at some time, you know, in the foreseeable future. 
finally, we recently saw a trailer that sort of came out of nowhere to us. Um, I spend a lot of time on social media looking at horror posts from other podcasts or horror creators or journalists, and I see a lot of trailers like the minute that they are released. But we went to the movies to see Ready or Not, which is going to be a hot take episode this month in September, and we saw a trailer for a movie called Antlers right before the movie. Yeah. And I love being surprised by trailers that I haven't seen, especially given what you just said. Like we're used to seeing trailers immediately as they drop. And I'm on the hunt for these horror movie trailers. Yeah. And uh, this came out of the blue and it has Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. Yeah. It looks it looks folky. And mm-hmm. I really, really love that. I love the the kind of the tone that this the trailer was trying the trailer to, was to amazing. come across. It was a great trailer. So I'm really looking forward to this film and check out the trailer. We're going to link it in our show notes mm-hmm. or just look it up on YouTube. That's right. Recommendations. Oh, I watched a lot of movies in August, Chris. Me too. Uh, And a lot of mine, or at least half of mine, were kind of doing catch-up, right? Because for a little while now, you were trying to get me to watch two films in particular, and that was The Perfection and Knife Plus Heart. Yeah. So I thought The Perfection was pretty good. Uh, I kind of share the opinion with Brock from Cocktail Party Massacre that The Perfection you know, kind of loses credibility as it goes on as far as character motivation. But if you're looking for just like, it starts off as kind of like elevated, like quote unquote elevated horror. And then it kind of changes into this like weird, like thing where the character choices kind of have to, are slaves to the plot. A la like last few episodes of Game of Thrones or something. (laughs) And so like, I really appreciated the quality of this film, the acting of this film, the direction and the pacing. But I feel like the script and some of the character motivations, like the story, there was problems in the story as far as the turns. Like they were twist for twist's sake and the character motivations behind them didn't make sense. So that kind of took me out of the experience a little bit personally. Um, But and I also heard that people were just like getting sick watching this movie and grossed out. And it was like the worst thing you could ever see. No, it's nowhere near that. I've seen so much. Uh, It's fairly innocent compared to a lot of the other things I've seen. So, um, no, I thought it was good. I think I gave it like a three star. Which is good. I mean, it's good middle-of-the-road review. I liked The Perfection very much. I've watched it again since then, and I, I liked it a little less on the second watch, but I still enjoyed the movie. Yeah, And, I mean, it was easy for me to get to get lost in that movie, and so I, I enjoyed the twist. But, you know, there are a lot of them, and you can have, like, twist fatigue if there's just too much in a movie. Yeah, I actually created a legend recently for myself uh, for rating movies, and literally, like, two and a half is meh. That's my middle of the road because it's mathematically in the middle between, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, my three is enjoyable, right? And three and a half is like a good movie and, and a four is a great movie, etc. So I think that I gave this one a, a solid three star. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, Knife Plus Heart, I did not enjoy as much as, as my co-host here because he is a Francophile. Oh, yeah. Did you say and, Francophile? And, yeah. <laughs> Did you say freakophile? Frankophile. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and of course, it was like basically someone made a movie just for you. It had they like did. 80s horror slasher and like a little bit of like. Or like Giallo. It was Giallo, Giallo all over it. Yeah. Giallo all over it. It was in French. It was gay as Christmas. I mean, um, yeah, it was. It There was p- points in this film that just didn't make sense, but that's Giallo purposefully, I suppose. And I just, I couldn't get into it as much as my wonderful co-host here but you know i also uh gave it a similar score to uh the perfection 
And I know that Knife Was Heart is not a movie for everybody. Obviously, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But when he says that they made a movie for me, they did. <laughs> I mean, this is a gay giallo movie. Gay is a fucking picnic basket. <laughs> it's in French. It takes place in Paris the year of my birth, for crying out loud. I mean, like, if it's like someone sat down and said, you know what? Robert needs a good movie. And they made it. I love this movie. I've watched it so many times now, just over the last like three months. And I will continue to watch this movie, sing its praises and force it down everyone's throat. Yeah. And don't let the fact that it's a period film taking place a really, really long time ago. Shut the fuck up. You <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Yay, I turned 40 in about five weeks, y'all, at the time of this recording. Shit. <laughs> but hey, at least, I mean, it's it's good to know that good gay porn was being made the year of my birth in Paris. I hope there's a nugget of truth in this movie. So, I'm sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there's a niblet of truth. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that you should say catch up because that's exactly what I was doing in August as well. I am trying to watch some of these 2019 horror movies that sort of slipped by me or fell under my radar a little bit because I don't want to be scrambling at the end of the year trying to see everything I possibly can. So I watched three movies uh, from 2019 in August. One of them was called The Wind, which is a female-led, female-written, female-directed pioneer frontier-esque horror film about a woman who is being sort of like visited or possessed by the demons of the prairie back you know when they're like the only settlers in Kansas or something and I had read so many good things about this movie and I could not wait to watch it and quite frankly I didn't think it was that good like it was kind of slow um, they start out with a really good premise and then it just turns into this schlocky sort of like demon film and I just I didn't like it. And, you know, at a time when um, I think that women filmmakers need to be celebrated a lot, you know, yeah. and I still think people should go watch this movie and form your own opinion because the acting in this movie was phenomenal. The lead actress and her name escapes me is so, so good. Um, it's available for purchase on Amazon. So I couldn't rent it. So I own it. So I will take the time to rewatch it and see if my opinion changes. Um, I also watched a movie on Amazon that I rented called Starfish. And this is sort of an apocalyptic movie about a woman who experiences the loss of her friend and goes to her apartment to sort of like get drunk and remember her fondly. And when she wakes up, the whole world has gone to hell. And you have to be very quiet because these monsters have come. And I'm like, okay, like hmm. how many movies are we going to have now about people being quiet during the apocalypse or the strange monsters are going to come and get you? And I have spoken before on this podcast about style, style over substance when it comes to horror movies. And this movie was incredibly shot. It's well made. It's visually pretty to look at. It was one of the first things that I've ever rented in UHD after getting a UHD TV. And I mean, it's a good movie to, to look at. Everything else about it, not so good. Both The Wind and Starfish, I would probably give a 2.5 to 3 stars each, right? It's middle of the road not making my list of 2019 for sure. However, finally, I rented a movie called Killer Unicorn. Oh. And this movie played at a festival last year, but its official release is 2019. And this has got to be one of the gayest horror movies I have ever seen in my entire life. And I loved it. Yeah. It's campy, cheeky. It's fun. The movie's about a group of like Brooklyn hipsters who are being stalked and murdered by a killer 
a shirtless killer wearing red sparkly short shorts and a unicorn mask. Like, this movie did not take itself seriously. I laughed all the way through it. There's some amazing deaths in this movie. We'll just say that someone gets an enema with acid. I mean, it's just random shit. And I had such a good time watching it. (laughs) Okay. This is definitely a three and a half star movie for me. I'll have to check that out. I also saw two series uh, over the last month. And uh, first I sat down and watched Good Omens, which of course is, I think, Terry Pratchett and uh, Neil Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is that, of course, this is a story about an angel and a demon who are trying to prevent the apocalypse because they're best friends. They're not supposed to know each other. Not certainly not supposed to be working together, Mm -hmm. but it's really well acted. It was really cute and done uh, and done well. Um, I think it's worth, worth the watch. It's a little silly. It's a little too lighthearted, I think for itself sometimes, but it was still worth a watch. And, uh, I think they did a good job. This was very stylish. I really liked it. I also watched the boys, which blew me away. Yeah, I did not expect. I didn't really know what from the trade. Like, I didn't really know from the. I guess the posters for this film or the advertisements what it was about. Or I guess it's not a film; it's a series, <laughs> on Amazon. But it just was so random. Like, they had no fanfare. I had no idea it was about superheroes. But it essentially takes like um, Watchmen or Kick Ass and takes it to like the nth degree of really what superheroes would be like in this, in like in our reality with social media and corporations and everything else. And uh, it's really dark, it's very funny, and there's a lot of horror adjacency and straight up horror. And um, there's a lot of cool actors that just kind of pop up. There's Simon Pegg pops up. And, of course, my personal favorite that I was so surprised by was Elizabeth Shue. Oh, my God. She was so good. I've never seen her so good in anything as I've seen her in The Boys. So everyone needs to check this show out. It was so good. There was a huge marketing push for this movie. At least, you know how sometimes the, the ads that you get on social media are sort of tailored to your likes or dislikes. Yeah. Right? And I, I, saw, I had no idea what it was about based on any, any of that marketing. And it was like rammed down my throat. Every time I turned around, there was an advertisement for the boys. And I do watch a lot of Amazon Prime. And so they had their own like snippets and advertising. Um, Chris told me how good it was. And he told me, you know, about the horror adjacent aspects of it. And I was like, OK, but really, you just had me at Elizabeth's shoe. So <laughs> I'm certainly going to watch because it seems like something that my husband and I would both enjoy for different reasons. Well, I still didn't really understand the, the height of like what it was trying to do and how much budget they put behind it. It looks great. I mean, it's uh, I just can't say enough good things about this show. I, I we sat down to watch one episode, me and my my uh, significant other, and we ended up binging the entire series. Wow! And he's usually not up for staying up that late, but. He stayed up and it was till like three or four in the morning and it was just a great, a great time. Do you know how many episodes it is? Is it like a 10 episode show? Or... Uh, six to eight, okay. 10, somewhere. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't know, less okay. than 10. But it was good. It was really, really good. And I cannot wait for another season and they've already teased it. Good. I know I read an article that said it's the most watched Amazon Prime show yet. Good. So, yeah. It deserves it. So good. Um, The last two movies that I watched in August, one of them was with my husband. Um, I've spoken on the podcast before that he doesn't like horror movies and we just don't ever watch them together. Um, So it's kind of rare that he and I will sit down and watch something. Um, 
but I really wanted to see Detective Pikachu in the theater when it came out, and we just couldn't justify going to do it. But watching it at home is a different story. And so he and I sat down to watch a movie that neither one of us really expected to to like or love. And I think we both ended up really enjoying it. It's very funny. The entire time I was watching it, I was thinking, well, this is just like a Jim Henson movie. I think some of the CGI effects look incredibly practical. Like, they look like... Okay. Like Muppets. And I mean, I laughed my ass off. It was a fun movie. So even if you're not fans of Pokemon or things like that, give it a chance because it's hilarious and good. And finally, a movie that I have been looking forward to for the last couple of years since they had announced it was being made was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, and this is directed by Andre Overdahl, who did uh, Troll Hunter and uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. So he already had some good horror cred, and it was being produced by Guillermo del Toro. And every time that I saw a trailer or a snippet, I really enjoyed what they were doing with some of the creatures. And I was, you know on the fence because I love the book so much, but ultimately I was looking forward to seeing the movie and I desperately wanted it to be good. Unfortunately, I am sad to report it's not. Oh yeah. Um, like the creature effects in this movie, which are practical and they look great is the, you know, one of the best things in it. Um, unfortunately the acting is not that good. Like the kids they cast in this movie, I I didn't buy. It's supposed to be a period piece in the sixties, but they were acting like teenagers of today. And in fact, I don't know why in the world they set it at that time period. They took what could have been a really good anthology, um, with a small wraparound story and just focused more on the wraparound story and not the actual scary stories to tell in the dark. Do you think someone with anthology history and a lot of independent film as well as larger filmmaking like Michael Doherty would have done a better job with this? Um, Yeah, I do, because I know that Michael Doherty has an affinity for for practical effects, too. I think that he could have created, you know, a good storyline. He really knows how to connect stories. The difference between, like, watching Trick or Treat and watching Scary Stories is that he pays attention to the stories. All they had to do in this movie was have these kids discover a book— and they sit down and read it, and Even they just go back to the story kids. and say Krampus yeah. is paid attention to for its emotional heart. And then, of course, the creature effects in Krampus. You know, I think Michael Doherty would have just been a better choice for this, but of course, he was probably too busy with uh, Godzilla. Yeah, I mean, and for sure, that's exactly why. But I mean, they they took a series of three books that have you know in in their contents up to, upwards to like sixty plus stories they could have used, and they just filmed like four. You know, I mean, it's just a missed opportunity. I they think. really could have done like a, an Amazon or Netflix series. For this. Oh, it would have been even better, actually. And I hope that with this renaissance of Scary Stories Love, because they had the documentary that came out, which I also didn't really care for in this movie, that maybe someone will take it and go in a different direction with the franchise or the books. I'd like to see what someone else can do. I gave this movie two and a half stars, which to me is a very low rating. And um, I just came out of that theater very, very bored. With that being said, though, I sat through the entire end credits because because there is a song played, and it's a cover of Season of the Witch, sung by Lana Del Rey. And really, aside from the creatures, that was the best part of that fucking movie. So it's a great song. We might play a little snippet of it at the end of the episode, so stick around and check that out. We also, of course, like we said earlier, saw Ready or Not, but we were so enthralled with the performance of... Samara Weaving? Samara Weaving, that we went home and we watched... The Babysitter. Yes. 
on Netflix. And that is so good. I did not expect it to be so referential to other horror movies and be so darkly funny. And like it does go off into like almost surreal territory as it goes on. But it is that movie is so bonkers. I did not expect it to be that bonkers. And she is really good in that movie, too. So everyone needs to go to their Netflix and watch The Babysitter Who Hasn't. I really, really love the shit out of it. Stay tuned next week because we will be releasing our hot take thoughts on Ready or Not and why Samara Weaving is our new favorite Emma Stone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, guys, we hope you have enjoyed this Shooting the Flames episode. Chris and I really enjoy sitting down and talking to each other about all these news trailers. We love getting comments and questions from you guys. And, of course, you can continue to do so on social media at The Film Flamers on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline, even if you're an angry director, <laughs> at 972-666-7733. That's right. And just like that angry director, we will play your voicemails on the episode for everyone to hear. And as a reminder, if you've really enjoyed our past episodes or this one, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a little review. We'll read them on Shooting the Flames. We really enjoy getting those. It warms our cold, dead hearts every time we see one. It does take a minute, but just a minute. (laughs) And we appreciate it so much. Yes, guys, keep it up. We love the support from everybody, both on Patreon and on social media, and look forward to hearing more. Well, I think it's time for us to head off and start getting our watch list ready for the rest of September. So until next time, guys, sweet Sweet dreams. dreams. Holy dick. (laughs) Holy dick. (laughs) Andy McDowell. When I look out my window Many sights to see And when I look in my window So many different people to be strange so strange it's very strange to me you got to pick up every stitch you got to pick up every stitch